Did you hear the news? MetroPCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey, podcast listeners. This is your humble host, Michael Smalley. And I just wanted to take a moment of your time before the show gets going to remind you about our online membership. It is an incredible resource to help you build a better relationship where we have taken all of our best video series and converted them into online courses. You can check out how to become a member at smalleyinstitute.com. Today's show is, uh, it's going to get a little bit aggressive. I know I'm, I tend to be a jolly, happy fellow, but today I'm just frankly irritated, and I'm, honestly, I'm sick and tired of hearing this one particular phrase that keeps being uttered in hushed tones or whispers or, or sometimes even screamed out to me when I'm meeting with couples in our intensive program or maybe a couple at a live event that I'm doing. And here's the deal. To all the clients and the couples, I've heard say this very phrase, I love you, I care deeply about your relationship, but it has to stop because it's killing your chances of healing and restoration. And for those of you who are listening right now, you need to hear it. Because you might be saying it too, and like one of my favorite comedians of all time once said in a very funny SNL sketch, stop it! Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your host, Michael Smalley, along with... Seth Johnson. Who is staring at me in an incredibly judgmental way. Uh, No, not judgmental. Curious. I don't know what comedian you're speaking of or what SNL sketch... Where he yells, stop it. Well, here's the problem. I didn't actually write that part of my introduction on my little intro script that I write. Yeah. So it just kind of came to me. Mm-hmm. It felt really good. But as I was saying it, I could not think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Perfect. But now I have it. But one of your favorites. Now I have it. No. Okay. I, I can... There's two comedians I can attribute... My style or humor too. Mm-hmm. So you know, Bill we Cosby. Do, Bill Cosby is one, and that's you know, that y- somewhat dirty, <laughs> right? That, that used to be like, oh yeah, it's oh, great. Wow. Now it's like, oh really? Yeah. You're, Bill, you're a horrible human. William Cosby. Women are going to be marching all over America against me now. <laughs> Did we just get a little political? Uh, let's steer clear of that one. All right. And the but other, the other one. Yeah. So I used to, my dad would have me, and not like in a mean way, but I think he just saw that maybe I could be a funny person one day. Mm-hmm. And so he would encourage me to memorize these comedy bits or routines, like entire routines. Yeah. And growing up, you know, fifth grade, you have to do a speech or whatever. I'd memorize these things. 
okay. to do. So it was Bill Cosby and Bob Newhart. Oh. Have you never seen yeah. that sketch where he's a counselor? I don't know if I have. Oh, uh, well, here, because I know Seth will do this as we're trying to do the show and, and give you really helpful content. He tunes out and researches things and <laughs> finds them and adds them to our notes. But it's yeah. the just like Google Bob Newhart and uh, stop it. Okay. So Bob's a therapist. And this woman comes in, you know, for therapy. And, and you know, if you're an actual therapist, what's even just funny right out of the box is he's sitting behind a desk, which you would never do. Mm-hmm. Like a therapist would never be sitting behind a desk because, you know, unconsciously it's like there's this division, there's this boundary, this wall betre- between us. You can't really have a connection. So for the advanced person, that's kind of funny. <laughs> But she sits down, and she's nervous, and he goes, you know, welcome. How can I help you? She goes, well, and she gives this long thing about how she's terrified of being buried alive in a box. Okay. And he goes, really? Okay. Uh, And he thinks about it. (laughs) It's like he's like the worst therapist ever. And she's just kind of looking at him, and he he basically goes, okay, all right, I think I get it. Well, um, I think I can help you. She goes, oh, really? Because this has really been, you know, wiping me out. And he's like, no, no, I got it. I have, I think I have some simple advice that can cure this. Really? He goes, yeah, I have two words for you. And she goes, oh, uh, should I, like, should I write this down? He goes, it's two words. I mean, can you remember two words? I don't think two words. She's like, oh, so he shames her. And then he gets kind of serious and he leans you know, forward in the desk, and he looks at her and he goes, "Stop it!" <laughs> she goes, "What? Stop it! Wait, what do you mean? Stop it! I don't think it's that confusing. Stop it! Why? Well, I don't think it's that easy. Yes, it is. Stop it!" <laughs> and they kind of go back and forth where they start to es- she starts to escalate a little bit with him. He goes, "Listen, stop it, or I'm going to bury you alive in a box." <laughs> oh wow! Tapped right into the fear. <laughs> yeah. I think the therapeutic technique he was going for was uh, desensitization. Sure. Which, I don't know. I may have told the lady, that's a pretty good fear. That'd be right. terrible. It would be. <laughs> to be buried alive in a box? Oh, my gosh. Now I have nightmares. I've officially posted the link. You did? Already? Yeah. Dang. So if you're curious and you want to see this genius comedian at Maybe one of his best. Not his best ever. You know what I loved about Bob? Were the phone calls. Have you ever watched, Have you ever seen any of his stand-up routines? I actually never have. Never seen any of his stand-up. And I think this is why we can never be true friends. <laughs> true, deep friends. Yeah, so a, a, a bit that he would do all the time is he would act like he's on the phone mm-hmm. with somebody famous. Right. But all you would ever hear is his side of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So there's one where he calls God. Okay. <laughs> and he's talking to God. <laughs> he has another one where he's the PR agent for Abraham Lincoln. Oh my heavens. <laughs> I mean, it is it is utterly brilliant. But the I actually like it. The stop it. And sometimes I do feel that level of frustration with people. Right. Where they're doing such destructive things that I'm like, stop. Right, Stop that's, that's doing what, that. That's what you need to communicate. Is, I mean, <laughs> just cut it out. 
maybe a similar thing would be when you go to the doctor and you go, hey, it hurts when I you know do this. And the doctor goes, well, don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. I'm like, come on, people. So I'm irritated. Yeah. I'm angry, but I love people. Mm-hmm. I'm as dysfunctional as the next person. Agreed. Maybe, maybe a little more. <laughs> I'm right there with you, pal. I'm not, you know, I have those two levels of dysfunction. You have normally dysfunctional, which kind of everybody's in. And then you have specially dysfunctional. You don't want to be in that one. <laughs> I'm close to the special, <laughs> but not quite. So, okay, so what's this phrase? I just can't take it anymore. <sighs> Say it with some vigor, like you're desperate, okay. you're miserable yeah. in your relationship, your I mean- wife... Is never sleeps with you. You have sex like every nine months, if that. Let me just get into this headspace real quick, guys. Clear the mechanism. Yeah. I just can't take this anymore. That was pretty good. That was better. Thank you. Many times I hear this phrase through sobs and tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I just> can't. <laughs> the exhaling. Yeah. Yeah. And they're desperate. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Usually when someone makes this kind of a statement, they're at their wits end. Yeah. Something's going on. It's not changing. They're losing hope. And then they land in this space where they genuinely believe, I cannot do this any longer. Yeah. So they're super emotional. They're like, that feels like they're expressing everything they feel. So what's what's the problem with that? Well, stop it. I got to give more advice, though, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Yeah. Why is, why is that an issue? <coughs> Excuse That's, me. Wow. I apologize, listening audience. Wow. That's just radio genius right there. <laughs> so here's my here's my first issue. This is the first thing that always swarms into my head when when someone utters this phrase is wow. That says a lot about your theology. What do you mean? Well, what is theology? It's your view on God. Yeah, and, and the, your understanding of God mm-hmm. and your your study of God, right? And when someone says, I can't take this anymore, in essence, just so you know, so this is all out in the open, what you are saying is, I believe in a small G God. So not even God could get me through what I'm going through. Not even God could bring healing to my spouse. Not even God. This thing is Mm -hmm. so big and so bad that I'm hopeless. And I mean, I'd be curious, Seth. You've been doing this show with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Is that an accurate view of God? I mean, if someone claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, a disciple, a Christ follower, mm-hmm. can we ever, ever land in that place? No. And why? Well, because the, <laughs> I mean, there, our God is an infinite God who can do all things. The creator of the universe, people. But what I what I think people when they say that phrase they don't they don't connect that dot and they don't go there so I think that's why they might feel um, okay with saying it you know because they're not connecting that oh I just can't take this anymore if they're a believer means that also that their God our God is incapable of helping them through this yeah of doing anything with this yeah. And that's my kind of first major concern is that if you're in a relationship and things aren't going well, mm-hmm. if you are believing, like, I just can't keep going, I can't keep getting on here, just first and 
foremost, understand that you you have a pretty dysfunctional understanding of God, because mm-hmm. the truth is that's that's a complete and utter lie. That yeah. would be an easy attack from from the evil one. Well, I'd almost say that, kind of carrying on with what I was saying a second ago, it's maybe not that they have a dysfunctional and improper view of God, but they haven't realized that their statement re- uh, has a reflection on on that. If that makes so sense, so maybe at all. they haven't connected the dots. Yeah, that. Exactly. I'm just desperate. I'm hurting. I'm miserable. And I don't want to have to do this anymore. So I can't take it anymore. And they're not thinking that all the way through to what what does that really mean? Right. Exactly. So they just stop right there because expressing that, like, it's really, it offers some relief. Just, just express that. Oh, that's an interesting statement, Seth. Oh, thank you, Michael. Because, wow, this isn't even in the notes, folks. No. But I wonder if that is probably a coping strategy mm-hmm. to feeling miserable, and maybe I'll feel better. And I know you probably don't consciously think I'm going to feel better, but maybe you do. Maybe it's this relief of I just can't do what well, You know what it is? It's a justification. Yeah. That's really what it is. Because if you believe I can't do this anymore, therefore... I now have an obligation to end this relationship, mm-hmm. right? It, I mean, it would be cruel to allow myself to be in this unfixable relationship. Yeah, it gives you kind of carte blanche to do whatever you want because you can't you can't take it anymore. So it can do whatever I, else I want to cope with it or handle the situation. And you know, one of the instant things I had in my gut when you said that mm-hmm. is, well, is that really what happens? You know, so if yeah. you're thinking, if this is being uttered to release, right, and to kind of, <gasps> yeah, well, it doesn't accomplish that. It 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 continues to make everything worse because mm-hmm. it's negative in nature. It's hopeless in nature. It it does it does say what you believe about God. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you're thinking about it or right. not, it does. And it's like one of those things of, well, hey, how's that strategy working for you? Mm-hmm. You know, so as you've built up to this place and now you've been telling yourself, I can't take this anymore. How has it gone? Has it improved? Has your relationship improved? Has your overall life satisfaction gotten better now? Well, no, that'd be impossible. Right. Because you're a victim. Ooh. Isn't that really what it is? Mm-hmm. I can't take this anymore means that I have no ability or power to control my own feelings, my thoughts. It's all dependent on this other person. Mm -hmm. And that makes everything worse. When we take that victim position. Right. And uh, what was I? I was giving an example to a couple the other day. The concentration camp. No. No. That is a good one because we'll get there. Okay. That's that's a preview. That was a little salt (laughs) sprinkled on. What? How are they going to get to a concentration camp? (laughs) No, it was from my own life where I was sharing something that Amy and I, you know, got into an argument about, or it was some ugly conflict that we experienced. And um, it may have been, and I've shared it on the show before, we don't get into all the details. Because I may have said, uh, 
you know, it was when Cole was in China and he was trying to come home, lost his passport, you know, mm-hmm. big explosion argument in the middle of the night. And I think sometimes what happens is people go, you know, my wife's sitting there in bed pointing at me, yelling, going, this is all your fault. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we don't take responsibility for, OK, but what was my part in setting this whole thing up? Right. Right. So a lot of people in conflict just take that victim mentality that, well, I didn't do anything wrong to cause this. You know, I have no part in this. It's maybe I was even sharing with this couple about taking ownership. So mm-hmm. when conflict comes, you know, a part of our love talk method, L O V E O is for own. Mm-hmm. And what I have found with with people when they're trying to resolve an issue is if they can, when they're the customer, right? When it's their time to share what's important to them, if they start by first owning their part, right? And so I told them, I'm like, look, you're always going to be able to own something here. I know what it was. This husband, ah, yes, <laughs> all falling into place. This is now. a good example too. So they were bringing up a recent hurt, mm-hmm. right? And so he's like, "Man, this kind of semi acquaintance friend called us, and you know, my wife was going to meet with his wife, and then he was like, "Well, why don't I come and you and I can hang out?" And he goes, "We did, and you know, we we went out to dinner together, and we had this really fun evening." And then, you know, in his mind, he's thinking, oh, I would really enjoy when we go back home to really connect and, like, hang out with each other. And maybe there might be some physical intimacy, mm-hmm. and that'll be fun. So they got home kind of late, 9, 9.30. And right when they got home, one of her friends, the wife's friends, texted her, hey, I got a gift for you, like, fun thing. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, my gosh, I'll be right over. Mm-hmm. So she leaves. Yeah. Right? And the husband's... Sitting there going, oh, wow. And he starts to get hurt. He starts to get his feelings. You know, he's starting to shut down. He's starting to feel unimportant or unwanted. Mm-hmm. And by the time she comes back home, he's he's closed off. Right. Right? And so what I had to tell him was, okay, my first question was, dude, did you share with your wife what your need or expectation was for the evening? And he looked at me and was like, well, no. Okay, let's start there. Like your yeah. first job, as you're sitting there and you're getting hurt, I said, and I had him, you know, we have the Reignite Your Marriage app. Mm-hmm. So I had him actually open up the app. I go, look, right here is where you can write down what you own. And what could you own? And he goes, well, I mean, I don't know. Isn't that just what should naturally happen after a great date? <laughs> and I just looked at him like, no, oh, yeah. obviously not because it didn't. Right. And the first problem is that you can't hold this against her. Yeah. And so what, what I ended up kind of giving him advice on, I was like, man, because I think his wife got up to go to the bathroom or something. And I just kind of looked at him and went, bro, here's what you need to get better at. You need to get better at giving, and we're actually going to do a show on this entire concept, giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But I said, as you were getting hurt, which is fine. Totally fine for him to be disappointed, right? Maybe feeling unwanted or whatever. Nothing wrong with that. But I said, but as soon as you go to this thing, this list in our app, and you go, what can I own? I go, man. Once you own, I never even shared my need or expectation with her. Mm -hmm. I go, it's over. It's done. I go, there is no reason to hold a grudge. There is no reason to be to continue being hurt. And so, frankly, bro, when she comes home, you need to be over it. You don't need to bring it up. 
because mm-hmm. you didn't say anything. Right. And that really led to some good conversation because where she'll get frustrated with him is that he can come across super needy and kind of clingy. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I go, what, you know, what was that like when you came home and you find out your husband's all hurt and shut down? She's like, here I go again. Mm. Yeah. You know? And it's like, my gosh, I can't run over to a friend. You know, I didn't even know. Right. She had no clue. And that's just one of those easy things that, man, you could have let that go. Now, in the future, if you share your need, like, hey, we're going to go out with our friends and, you know, tonight, that'd be kind of fun afterwards for us to be together. Now, if she then comes home, gets a text from a friend and takes off, okay. Right. Now we're going to have to love talk. That's Mm -hmm. fair. She knew the need. Mm -hmm. She knew what you were hoping for, and she blew you off. That's a very different circumstance. Yeah. So while it's all great advice... How is that tying into, I just can't take this anymore? Well, because actually it was his wife that used that phrase, I can't take this anymore. And so how it adds is that they're going, they're going, (coughs) I don't know what's wrong with me today. They're going through hardship. Mm -hmm. Things aren't easy. There was an atom bomb that wasn't an affair or anything. It was financial that Mm -hmm. happened maybe three months ago. Mm-hmm. But it was a it was a bomb. It was a nuclear bomb. There was yeah. a there was a waste in her heart. You know, it got she got wiped out. Mm-hmm. And so the I can't take it anymore. I maybe got a little sidetracked on that. Because <laughs> 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 you're like, how does that relate? I'm trying to make it relate. <laughs> it was all in context of this one couple that I was meeting with. But the reality is when you're struggling and when things aren't going right, when you ultimately land in that, I can't take this anymore, you've, you've sort of, you've kind of created this, you know, huge dark cloud, mm-hmm. right, that, that it blinds you to everything. Yeah. It's like this gigantic negativity, uh, uh, negative fog that is super thick. And so the truth is, when you say, I can't take this anymore, and this is funny with the same couple, too, by the way. So at the beginning of our three-hour time together, it was like a Mm follow-up with an intensive. She starts the time, I can't take this anymore. And then the next thing you know, three hours later, she's at a completely radically different place. Mm. And so one of the truths about this statement is, one, it's probably not accurate, I'm telling you, you yeah. can take it. Mm-hmm. And then, do it blinds you to the very good things that are happening. You know, right. because what's funny to me is she starts off with this phrase, right? This catastrophic, it's just right. too much. And she's bawling. And I know mm-hmm. she's hurting. It's not a lie. For sure. But then also, maybe halfway through our time, she's sharing about this amazing date he organized Mm -hmm. he was really creative i actually told him you need to just stop because i'm feeling shamed (laughs) you know i mean it was wonderful and they had a phenomenal time yeah and then there was another time and another time and i think that's what happens with this phrase is you miss out on very real good things that are also happening Mm -hmm. but you're stuck on that one two three negative things and you allow that to spiral out of control and define the whole relationship. So it's it's usually not even accurate. And you say also with this phrase, it shows a lack of patience involved um, in a place that you need a lot of patience. So if 
if you're saying this, I just can't take this anymore. Uh, like you're, you're not showing the perseverance that relationships need. Yeah, and and I've I've mentioned several times, and I've mentioned at almost every live event I'm doing now, is that my next book is going to be on patience, because yeah. I think it's the most grossly underutilized fruit of the spirit. That sometimes, man, if you just chill and go, yeah, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not going well right now, but it it will get better. That's the yeah. truth. Is it it will get better? So so I don't I, I don't like this phrase because of it shows such an extreme lack of patience. And inevitably, by the way, when I bring up this idea of well, you know, patience. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I've been dealing with this for three months. I've been dealing with this for five years. I've been, and when they get stuck there, that's when I use the concentration camp. Well, I mean, you've baited us. I well, you baited us. It's true. I mean, I teased. You teased. And I'm bringing it home. Setting the hook. I'm delivering. All right. So what's how do how do we work in a concentration camp? Too. Okay. I just can't take this. Anymore. One of my favorite books of all time, and I know we've mentioned it before. The Bible. Yes, and then <laughs> another one. <laughs> okay. Now you just made me feel bad. Is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Okay. It's a little book. You Maybe can finish it. Lincoln here. Oh, oh, there he goes again on the little computer. And so oftentimes what I'll tell people when they, not oftentimes, virtually every single time I hear this phrase, at some point I'll kind of build up to this, this moment, right? Mm-hmm. And all this good, okay, let me just ask you something here because we need perspective, right? People are saying I can't take this anymore over things that they don't need to be using this phrase with. Okay. I get you're hurt. I get you're frustrated. I get it's been going on for a long time. But Victor Frankl's, and it's F-R-A-N-K-L, his book, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor was an Austrian Jew who was also a psychiatrist. And I think, I could be wrong on this, but I think he spent roughly six years in a concentration camp. Solid amount of time. Yeah. And one of the things he realized, and it sort of birthed this entire, you know, psychology of the mind movement when he wrote Man's Search for Meaning, is he's he's in a concentration camp. Out the window, he can see the line of his fellow Jews going into the smokehouse, hmm. right? And the ash, the ash from these people are falling all over the camp. And he realizes what it is, right? Right. You're in, I mean, can we all just acknowledge Probably the worst place you could ever find yourself in life would be a, being a, a Jewish person in a concentration camp. Yeah. Does it get worse? <laughs> I'm not sure it does. I, I would be hard. <laughs> I mean, it would be hard to, hey, there's things that are equal, things, but I think it would be hard. You'd be hard-pressed to find, no, my situation is way worse. My husband watches too much TV. You know, I mean, it's like, come on. And, and and every time, you know, the couple will go, well, yeah, no, that's probably the worst thing you could be in. And I go, well, in that prison, Viktor Frankl realized I don't have to be miserable. Hmm. That's the miracle. Is even though he's in the worst conceivable place, he realized, but this doesn't have to define me. It doesn't have to destroy me. I can be okay even here. Yeah. 
it's 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 kind of like existentialism, right? Is things it's relative. And that's what I think is so destructive about that phrase is you're saying that whatever hardship you're going through in your relationship, it's impossible. There is no hope here. I can never be okay if I stay stuck in this place. And that's my pushback is, well, maybe you can be. You've got a link to that too. Yeah. People, there are some good links on this podcast episode. So how do you break free from this belief? Well, number one, as always with anything, you have to start with acknowledging how damaging and how untrue this is. Yeah. So I looked at this wife who made that statement. I said, what's the truth? She's like, well, because she's a believer. Mm -hmm. She goes, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, God is true and he can care for me in this place when I'm, you know, she's having difficulty trusting her husband again Mm because he lied about money. That's fine. You can be untrusting because he sort of broke your trust in a big way. But you can't say this will, I'll never get over this. Mm Mm-hmm. Or I can't make this, or this. If this doesn't change right now, I'm just gonna have to divorce. That doesn't make any sense, right? And this is, this is where uh, some correct teaching might have to happen from, um, maybe even an outside uh, mentor or pastor or something, to help give a correct perspective on God and His love for us and His character and His faithfulness and realize because I know. Um, a couple of people I've met in my life that they've grown up in um, uh, the Christian church, but maybe not necessarily a Protestant one. That there's um, they've had a lot of hard time believing God's love for them specifically, and um, like so there there might have to be this reorientation and realizing the biblical truths of how God. Um, loves and reached out to us for them to even get to this place where they can change their belief on, um, you know, I just can't take this anymore. Which is why it's so important to have those third parties in your life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I know for Amy and I, we have you and Shauna, we have Kim and Casey, we have, uh, you know, uh, Luke and Renee and Lauren and Je- I mean, we have friends that we're close enough with that can call us out on stuff mm-hmm. or that can, you know, I. I one of my best friends in life, we've grown up together since we were like six years old, Jason Bronner. You know, f- years ago when Amy and I were going through a really, really tough spell, as I was, I went on this like man trip with just Jason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in this pool, we're chilling, and I'm sort of sharing about the hurt and the struggle. <laughs> this is actually a lot like Bob Newhart, frankly. <laughs> so I'm trying to pour out my heart, like, do you see how miserable this is? And, how hurt I am over this thing, and and um, and he just kind of listened. And when I finished, and I'm I'm ready for him to kind of go, oh, you know, sort of engage. And oh man, right. yeah. this is tough. And I'm so sorry. He honestly looked right at me and goes, "That's it." <laughs> <laughs> he really did. <laughs> he didn't say stop it, <laughs> but it was equally as belittling. Seriously, you did. He goes, "That's it." I went. What do you mean? That's it? <laughs> yeah. He goes, I mean, that's it. That's the big thing. I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, is it not a big thing? 
And he went, dude, I get it, but come on, man. Because he knows Amy, and he knows me, and he's like, yeah. you guys are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. you know, Because it wasn't as catastrophic as I built it up in my head to be. Mm-hmm. And I was just struggling getting overhurt, and he's like, really? That's it? And I needed that. I needed that perspective. I had another friend during that time who basically said the same thing. I'm like, get over it, dude. Move on. You guys have done everything you need to repair it. You know, it's time. Let it go. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to hold on to the bitterness. I want to stew in this for a bit. I want to live in unforgiveness. I think that's what, no, that's not what Jesus said. <laughs> no. So you got to acknowledge, and, and you ha- if you don't own this is a bad statement, then none of these other things matter. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to go there. Because if you mm-hmm. still think this is where you are and this is fair and legitimate, good luck. Yeah. And by the way, you already know how it feels to believe this because mm-hmm. you're miserable. Yeah. So we're just trying to show you a better way. Kind of show you the light, guys. That's what that's what Smally Marriage Radio is all about. <laughs> so one of the other things that I love, it's our pastor, Jeff Wells. He struggles with OCD. I'm not like, you know, divulging any secrets. Mm-hmm. So he talks about it, not frequently, but enough. Mm-hmm. So he's very open and authentic. That's why I love him. And he has this phrase as an OCD person that he learned in therapy that is, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's that you have to tell yourself how to think. Mm. So most people, and that's, I'm telling you, that's where this phrase comes from. When you, if you get to the, I can't take this anymore, what you're doing is you're allowing your emotions and the moment to dictate what you think. And then unfortunately, if what you think is negative, like this phrase it just spirals the negativity right. out of control. So at some point, it's again, it's okay to be in a really hurtful, unchanging relationship and to get here. It, it's, right. it's not bad to get here. What's damaging is to stay there. Yeah. Right? And so what you need to do after you've acknowledged these things, you have to start telling yourself what to think. So you might feel this is impossible, but then you need to, in your mind, Literally, or even out loud, somewhere private, mm-hmm. so not everyone can hear you, is to go, oh, I'm so miserable. I can't take this anymore. Okay. I know that's not true. Mm-hmm. I know God loves me. I don't know how. I don't know. And in my humanness, I might be so overwhelmed, I can't even fathom how God is going to pull me out of this one. But I do believe and trust that he can. And so... I'm going to start telling myself to think differently. And I'm going to dictate what I'm thinking. And then once you start doing that, guess what happens to your emotions? They follow suit. They start to fall in line for you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a miracle. It's pretty amazing. Uh, One of the other things you could do, and we did a whole show on this. We did. The Love List. Oh, yeah. It's on the Reignite Your Marriage app. And, folks, if you're trying to search in your – one, we have links to all the most popular platforms on our blog, on our podcast post here. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just click on a link, you can. But if you're listening and you just want to search for it, you got to search Reignite Your Marriage. But you can – if you're in this place, I'd encourage you to make that love list. Remind yourself what is good about this person and start start thinking on that. Hey, you need to look up for me. Did I put it here in the notes? I don't know. Oh, I thought I did. No, that's in the next show. So we won't. 
We won't divulge that one yet. <laughs> wow. Tease. That's kind of a teaser show, isn't it? And then lastly here, you need to be able to take take the initiative to do what you wish your spouse was doing. Doing to others. Does that sound familiar? It's almost like something Jesus said. I know. What was it? Is there like a there's like a title for this? Something out the, there. The golden some uh the golden rule. <laughs> And this is, again, I think relationally, one of those things that is severely underutilized in people. Yeah. And and what I can tell you, what I've done in my relationship is I, you know, it, try to think of these things. When you get triggered, or I'm sorry, when you're feeling something negative towards your spouse, right? So I know a common one for me with Amy, because we're so different. So if there's something, I mean, it doesn't even have to be crisis, but if there's something negative that's happened, Amy tends to get engaged with that and get worked up, Mm -hmm. right? And you know me long enough. If something, you know, I'm the guy you want in a crisis because I tend to get more calm. Right. You know, I just don't get worked up often. You you mellow out. Except for this podcast. (laughs) Right. But I don't. And so... So a common thing for me is in my brain, Amy might be freaking out over something, right? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be directed towards me. And so what I've started to learn to use as a trigger is that if in my mind I'm saying something like, oh, my gosh, can't she just relax? Can't she just chill? That's the trick. That's that negative Mm -hmm. statement that I now use to trigger Okay, hold on. Yeah. If I wish that she would just relax, maybe I can do that for her. Isn't it funny? How 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 often do we do that? Where our spouse is doing something wrong, whatever, mm-hmm. unhealthy, and we're getting all upset about it in our mind, and then what do we do? We attack. Or we yeah. so we either escalate with them or we shut down, which is, you know, still negative. Right. Yeah. And so then, in essence, what happens is we're now doing the very thing that we wish they weren't doing. Yeah. Right? And so We're not doing anything productive or helpful. No. We're just, we're just jumping in the skirmish. Well, so, I mean, let's, like, unpack it. So if Amy is upset about something that I think she's being ridiculous about, if I now get ridiculous and impatient about her being ridiculous and impatient... <laughs> Right. Am I now not guilty of the very same thing? You are. And I think that's why Christ gave us that golden rule. I've I've really started, I feel like, I'm 43, and it feels like over the last few years, I have finally started to get that. That when she's upset or if I'm annoyed with her or irritated about something she's doing, that I can genuinely take the thing that I wish she was doing. Like, oh, couldn't she just relax? Or, God, I wish she was more patient. Or why does she just have to freak out over this thing? Well, I could choose not to freak out over it. I could mm-hmm. be loving. I could be kind. I could be quiet. Many times I just need to be quiet. And and she sort of runs the energy out, and she gets right where I wish she would be, and it's probably I helped because mm-hmm. I was patient with her. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you ever do that? I mean, what? let's do this. I'm doing it. I feel like I'm disclosing all of my dysfunctions. <laughs> Do you do you ever have those moments with Shauna where you're irritated, frustrated, 
What what do you tend to sort of what's a common thing that you tend to kind of get annoyed with or irritated with in your head and you're sort of complaining about her? Uh man, time management. Ah. Yeah, cuz you know, we discussed Michael and I, we like to be uh on time is early. Yeah. And Shauna is is not in that realm. And so uh the those are the times. So even like on on Sundays I I play at my church uh guitar and so I have to be there early for rehearsal, but then I have time cuz I live close to the church. I come back home and uh I pick up Shauna, or we have breakfast together, get ready and then we go back to church and there in time for you know Bible study and services and stuff. Um I frequently want to be there prior than she does. Early, which is next to godliness. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so I'll be like ready to go sitting on her couch. And and she's also sitting on the couch not getting ready. And I know how long it takes. And so. I know your pain. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, uh, are you ready to go? Knowing that she's not. And she's like, no. But I will. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to happen. Yes. So that's probably the the biggest, the most consistent thing. So how would you use the golden rule in this in this scenario? I would be ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I've tried to do is um, not nag on the the time i've clearly because one thing so maybe sacrifice maybe i mean obviously it's not like a you know (laughs) life or death thing but i meant right maybe i don't need to be as early or on time as i would like right because really even what you're saying potentially is why can't you meet my need on this Mm -hmm. i have a need to be early well she doesn't have that need yeah, and so what if I met her need instead? Mm-hmm. You know what I did this very morning? I think is applicable to your example. Oh, what did you do? So Amy says, and this is how neurotic I am about time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even deal with me. She comes out at eight a.m. in her PJs. Mm-hmm. She is at the the uh, the burner cooking eggs, mm-hmm. and she says, "Oh gosh, I got to make sure I'm I'm to staff on time because it's." Today's, I think, staff meeting okay. at 9 a.m., and Jeff notices when I come in late. So she said the magic word for me, <laughs> late <laughs> right. in time. So immediately I look at my watch. I'm like, it's 8, and she's in her PJs cooking breakfast. It's <laughs> right. easily a 30-minute drive. Yeah. She's not going to make it. It's not looking good. So you know what I did? You cooked breakfast for her. I did. I said, why don't you let me help you get ready? Mm-hmm. I wished you were ready, so now why don't I just do that and help you? And she's like, oh, you would do that? I'm like, baby, who's baby your daddy? <laughs> and so I cooked her breakfast, brought it into the bathroom where she was getting ready. It was scrambled eggs mm-hmm. and uh, a blueberry scone. Oh. I didn't make the scones. They were store-bought. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't make the egg either. The chicken did that. <laughs> I just scrambled it. And brought it in, but helped her get ready. Would that be applicable? Yeah. 
that's kind of doing for others, but you know, I wish you would be on time. It didn't even matter because it's not me. I'm right. not getting judged. <laughs> right. Is that fair? Yeah. Are you going to try this a little bit better with your own wife? Well, you didn't even let me get to what I started doing. I don't even doing. want you to. That's fine. Because it's probably dysfunctional. Because I do. I ask if there's things I can do. Oh, nice. That's and it. I, and I set a clear time of when I would like to leave. Because used to, I would. she would be uh, slightly annoyed because she wouldn't know when. I was like, we just need to get, get there before. And I would say, I would love to be walking out the door at this time. And then, is there something I can do to help you out? And, and what if they get annoyed by that? I've gotten really good at mascara. Yeah. <laughs> For yourself. Right. <laughs> but what if what if your spouse is like, oh, my gosh, just leave me alone. We'll be fine. But then they're kind of traditionally late. Mm. Mm. That's when we call Smalley. Hey, I'm telling you, and this is just free, super simple, easy to apply advice. You ready? I'm I'm ready. I'm sitting and ready. Because this is a pretty common issue with husbands and wives. And it by gender, I'm not really sure how that breaks down. Right? So sometimes it's the wife who wants to be on time as early and the husband's always late. Whatever. If that is you, one of the things Amy and I did that totally, completely changed this thing mm-hmm. is when I was on staff at a church, I wanted to get there an hour or two early so I could socialize with church people and just... Mm-hmm hang out and have fun and that was stressful to her and what we were starting to get into conflict is we were I was not able to get to church when I wanted to. And so when we finally discussed it, we realized that hey, that's not Amy's need. That's not a priority for her. Mm -hmm. And so what we finally eventually landed on, which was such a good solution for us, because sometimes I feel like people get locked into there's only one way to skin this cat. Right, This is the only way that works. But the truth is, if you would have a loving conversation and it's not in those heated moments when you're offended, we were able to work out, okay, babe. Because she was like, I like going as a family to church. Right. I go, I totally get that. So what if, you know, would this be a win? And I said, hey, how about here's our drop dead time. I want to have the kids and you and me in the car at 10 a.m., you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you can't make that, or if you're not able to meet that deadline, how about we go separately? I'll take the kids. Mm -hmm. And then I remember when we had this conversation, she's like, oh, yeah, but I got to get me ready and three kids ready. (coughs) And so I said, all right, I can own that I do only have to get myself ready. So would it be a win then if I took charge on Sunday mornings, getting the kids ready, mm-hmm. therefore yeah. I can leave when I wanting to leave. And if you can, great. And if you can, that's, and if you can't make it on that time, that's also fine. You can drive. And then what, what would you imagine a wife might say? But they're going to look stupid, <laughs> right? They're not going to match. And you'll just let the kids wear whatever, which was true. I would enjoy that. (laughs) Oh, you want cowboy boots and a ballet skirt? And (laughs) go for it, buddy. (laughs) Right. I like like your style. So then how we negotiated was I went, okay, that's totally fair. I don't need to lose my mind over that. I said, how about Saturday night? 
you laid out the outfits you want the kids to wear to church, and that's what I'll put on them. She's like, wow, I could do that. That totally works. And then there were times she made it. There were times she didn't, and mm-hmm. we were cool. It wasn't this big fight every Sunday. See how that works? When you're kind and loving and patient, willing to work with each other, you should try it sometimes. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. I'm telling you, if you take the initiative and do for, for your spouse what you wish they were doing for you, things change for the better. That's how it changes. This stuff works. The key is, are you willing to apply it? So let me know, uh, Seth, let the listeners know. I know. Yeah, you know. But where could they go to get an extensive, amazing online library of marriage and parenting classes? Mm, I feel like this is on the tip of the tongue. And I believe it's smalleyinstitute.com. Yes, it is. And so I do encourage you, man, we have an amazing online library of all of our greatest studies, all converted for an amazing experience that you can watch on any device. And all the workbooks were converted in the text, so all the lessons are right there and the discussion questions. So check that out at smalleyinstitute.com. And then if you have a story of your own, we want to know. So we have a link on every one of our podcast episode pages that you can submit your own story because your story could really inspire somebody else. Well, Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com or call us toll-free at 888-565-6462. Hey, DC, right now at VisionWorks, all prescription eyewear, every frame, every brand is 50% off. Yup, a nifty 50% thanks to our friends and family event. What's even better, it applies to both glasses and sunglasses. That's right. At the VisionWorks Friends and Family event, you can save 50% on all prescription eyewear. Why? Because we like you, DC. A lot. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.